Okay, so we start like 10, 15 minutes late and we make our own music. Sen, we desperately need you. We we desperately need Sen back. But uh, Sen will be back with us next week. But meanwhile, you're stuck with uh, Tiffany and I. Um, what we have a wonderful episode uh, <laughs> with coming in, coming for uh, one of our guests is going to just randomly show up, hopefully any second, and uh, and then we have Jason Kingsley, who, um, according to Isaac Shilev, is my email doppelganger because for some reason every time I email him, it comes up as Jason. Hey, there's Josh. Oh my God. We're we're gonna Hello. we're gonna black you out though. So we'll sure. bring yeah. you so now you're, you can you're gonna breathe. be a surprise. You're gonna you're gonna be a surprise. Uh-huh. No one knows you're on this episode yet. Yeah, right? it's gone. <laughs> oh, I knew it. Okay, there we go. Well I, I did. did. And then it undid it. Think. Yeah. <sighs> it's not letting me mute him anyway. No, you did it. You did it. You did good. You did good. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Josh Capel will also be on. Surprise. Spoilers. Uh, and we're, we're going to be talking about, what, what did we title this episode? Artistic Differences. Hey. We're talking about art and board games. That's right. Yeah, and all sorts of stuff with art and, um, yeah. Talking like yeah. visuals, talking about like the aesthetic, talking about, you know, the, the feel and uh, what you're going for, the experience Mm-hmm. that you go through um, and with during yeah. a, a board game. And on that note, have you played any good board games lately? I think since the last time I was on this show, I've played a number. We played... Did I play The Col- I've, I've played The Colonist, which is super awesome. I heard we, that's awesome. Yeah, we only played three eras, um, which are essentially kind of like rounds, phases. I don't really know how you... I guess they're round, sort of. We only played three, and it took, like, four hours, but they went by super fast. Like, I didn't believe that we had been playing for as long as we had been playing until until I checked Twitter, and then I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) That was three hours ago when I tweeted that we were starting to play. It's super good. I really, really like it, and it's the second game that I regret not getting at Essen, but we did get it for a friend and that friend is in our game group so we will get to play it more nice yeah other than that i did manage to finally play a seven player game of seven player yes no five player game of captain sonar and it is it is fun it is still fun and yeah i really enjoyed it my family really enjoyed it they were kind of like about playing it and then they really got into it so that's awesome that's good. How about you? Yeah, well, I was just at BGGCon, so got to play lots of games. <sighs> Not rubbing that in, sorry. <laughs> I, I wish you were there. Trust me. Um, for many reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. A couple of the highlights for me was a couple of games that I'm going to give a, a plug. One was, and I'm sure it'll get talked about, I was very excited to get my copy of Rock, Paper, Wizard, which uh, was co-designed by one of our guests, and uh, art as well. And then I was excited to get my copy of one of my games, Mine All Mine, 
so that was super fun to get to see it in action and show a few people the game and also got to play test a bunch of games like uh, Isaac Shalev and Matt Loomis's Sakatsu with some people and got to play um, some Turtles and got to play uh, some card games. I, I really enjoyed Capital Lux. That was one that I got to try that was an Essen release. Um, Maggie Bots taught me uh, Nyet, which was probably my favorite game of the con for myself. Still yet to play that. Yeah, I really liked it. So, yeah, some, yeah. some good stuff. But uh, with no, oh, I got to give a shout out. I got a couple hats that were given to me. So this one uh, was given to me by Larry. Uh, if you're not part of the Facebook, the board game group, you should be. There's tons of people there. Lots of good chatter about board games. And they gave me a hat. I'm so excited. And then, um, so shout out to Larry Cruz, um, who has a really cool uh, prototype game that I got to play. With. Um, and then also shout out to Patrick Hillier, who brought me a hat from the minor league team of his hometown. That's awesome. That was super generous and kind. So, anyways, I, if I remember, I will wear that next week. I've already worn it this week around. So, uh, thank you to both of y'all for the hats. Um, so, with uh, no further ado, let's welcome our guests on. Who do we got? Well, first off, we have Jason Kingsley. Yeah, he has to unmute himself. I can't unmute you. I yeah, can just he'll... silence you. <laughs> he, he he has to do the, all the heavy lifting. Ta-da! Hello, yes. interwebs. Interwebs. Um, interwebs. And then we also have. Uh, it was spoiled before, but we're just glad he's here. Josh Capel. Josh Capel. You also have to unmute yourself. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> you gotta hit that mute button at the top, and uh, then you'll be. No? Or we'll unmute you somehow. There we go. Oh, I got it. I got it. You're in. You're in. Hey, I would just hello. like to say uh, I'm loving the Snakes and Lattes shirt. You're really representing oh, the T-Dot. Thank you. Coincidental. Coincidental. Yeah. Just oh, that's nice. Like that's nice. And then, Jason, you're sporting a hat that I would like to acquire in my collection. I do. I got it at BGG Con. Super yeah. cool. got to get me one of those. Oh, nice. How many hats do you have, Daryl? Uh, I don't have that many. Like, <laughs> you call it a collection, like. Well, there is a there is a collection element to it, but it's not it's not like I have more board games. Oh yeah. That's, okay, that's not hard to do. I feel. But I, I'm gonna start us off. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, this will be an easy way for people to get familiar with some of Jason's work. Uh, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your design history and also then your art? history and board games so give us a little uh, profile plug plug i know you d- you're not a bragger but <laughs> but you got you got to give a little shout out for some of the work that you've been part of yeah for sure it's been awesome getting to uh dive into the industry get to know people work on stuff i think i i started working on board games uh doing graphic design and illustration maybe four or five years ago now it's been a while started off kind of slow um since then, I've worked on uh, Foxtrot Games Lanterns, the Harvest Festival, and that. worked with Adam MacGyver a little bit on World's Fair, 1893. Um, worked on let's see, Flag Bash for Peacekeeper Games. Um, yeah, Dead, Dead Men Tell No Tales for Minion Games. 
handful hand, handful of others, and have also done a little bit of game design. Not a lot that I've done is out yet, but my first was Ophir with Terranova Games, co-designed with Charles Wright, and my second that came out was Lanterns, the Emperor's Gifts, which I just got a copy of this week. Oh, jealous. Oh, man. So that was really cool to get to work with Randy Hoyt of Foxtrot and Chris Chung, um, and and Charles uh, Wright also helped develop that. All horrible um, people. Horrible. All people. horrible people. I can't think of three people I hate more. <laughs> so it's been it's been super fun uh, working on lots of projects right now. Busy, busy uh, finishing up the year, trying to get stuff in before Chinese New Year, and looking forward to 2017. See what's next. Awesome. I have no idea if we lost Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany, are you still there? There's like a placeholder. I hear audio-wise. I don't know what happened to my camera. I've been trying to troubleshoot it. Um, I was hoping you'd even reply in the internal chat. I'm sorry. But, I've uh, been trying. I've been really focused on the camera issue. That that makes sense. Well, we'll we'll live for now with you being a logo. Okay. Yeah. It's a nice uh, logo. It yeah. You know, talking visuals. Big <laughs> shout out to Gavin Brown for that. Thank you. Thank you for uh, making the pancakes and the butter look so good with that wonderful syrup. Makes uh, me hungry every time. Yeah. So, uh, Tiffany, you're next. Well, I mean, can I be really lame and just say basically same question to Josh? <laughs> kind of on like sure. what I can, uh, I can answer. Yeah. Wait, what was the question though? The games that Jason has designed and done art. Well, <laughs> what, Josh, okay, what have um, you done? Everybody knows what Josh Capel has done. And uh, I think about, there, was, there was a priority one. I was and, testing uh, you. you. You passed World the test. Fair. Yeah. You, listened, you listened well. <laughs> I was listening. I was listening. Okay, same question for me. Uh, I don't know. I got like a million games, and I'm lucky because I'm actually sitting beside the shelf upon which I keep a bunch of them, so I could just, like, do this instead. Whoa. Oh. Okay, so here's, like, oh, these guys. Is it backwards? Or is no, it, no, it looks backwards to you, but it's right to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, like, a whole bunch of games down, down here. And a whole Ooh, bunch I of recognize games. Oh, look, one look of at those. that, Daryl, one of yours. Hey. And even one of my own, yeah. hey oh. Yeah, okay, so I did a bunch of art for a bunch of these games. There we go. Very nice. There are a couple nice. of good ones in there, and then a few others that are kind of scattered around the shelves here. But Beautiful. That, that, that's uh, where they—that's where they stay when they're not being regularly played. Nice. Well, and I'm—I'm going to piggyback off of that and say, um, what what work are you doing that you're allowed to talk about now? Like, what are some things that are coming through the pipeline? Damn. Um, okay. Uh, I've had a couple of games of my own signed in. Re- recent uh, years that are now finally starting to roll out and come out. So Rock, Paper, Wizard that you showed there. I don't have a copy yet, so I'm pretty jealous that you got your <laughs> But it is like, it's like achieving some amazing 12-year-old nerd goal to have Dungeons & Dragons on a box with my name on it. So I'm pretty, yeah. Mission accomplished. pretty thrilled about that. That's, that's a yeah, check mark. it's really great. Yeah, it's really great. There's that. I got a game for uh, Hook & Friends coming out. It's a kid's game called Kokonana. It was originally called River Runners, and you, you might know it, Daryl, under that name. I do. I, don't know if you I do. That. Well, I even know it as Kokonanas, because I've been talking to Hook 
Right. Yeah. So I just finished the art for that too, which is uh, it's looking absolutely beautiful. They took me in a, in a new direction cool. with it, so I'm very happy with where they pushed me to. Um, am I allowed to talk about the game I'm working on for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm working on a game for IDW, designed by er uh, Daryl Andrews and Adrian uh, Adamescu, called Jungle Joust, which is uh, really firing up some illustration cylinders for me. Really nice. It's got me uh, illustrating knights riding rhinos that are crashing into each other. So, you know, that's always fun as an illustrator to do something crazy like that. <laughs> um, what else? I'm doing, I'm doing like six or seven projects right now. Daryl probably understands that I'm very swamped with work <laughs> right now from the radio. That might be a little reason why you popped in very last minute. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, it's, it's a big swirl of projects right now. I'm doing Problem Picnic. I'm finishing up the art files for that for uh, my wife's company, Kids Table Board Gaming. Yep. And uh, I don't know, a few, a few others on the go as well. Very cool. So lots of work. Just keeps on coming. Keep on coming. Mm -hmm. Tiffany? Uh-oh. She's no longer Ooh, not. We fully lost her. Yeah. Well, I'll just keep going until Tiffany comes back. And I have to tell you, oh, I have to tell you that I'm on the iPad right now, so I don't have access to the chat. So if you're trying to write me secret notes in the side saying talk about this, talk about that, I'm not. No, them no secret, it's... no secret notes for you. you you're right. just too much of a professional. We don't need to give you cues. But Tiffany, I feel like she broke through for a second. Like, no, there's occasionally know. a burst of static that might be her. Yeah, I feel like she's in the static. Um. Whoa, and another Wait. Josh is here? Oh, that's really weird. I'm here twice. <laughs> and we can hear you now twice. Yeah, I'm going to fix that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Tiffany has the ability. Oh, she, she, she hid you. Left the group. Okay. Yeah. So I tried to only... log in from my desktop so that I can ah. also be on the chat. but Only one Josh yeah, in this uh, episode. Uh, sorry for everyone out there that was hoping for two. I um, wish that there could be two of me. Wish. <laughs> so bouncing back then to Jason, I'm curious. Let's let's get into this topic. Tell tell me a little bit about your process when it comes to uh, take taking uh, taking a game. You know what? If someone hypothetically was like kickstarting and they were like, "Oh, I'm going mm -hmm. to hire you," what would what would you want like what would you need and what would you want to go through the process like are you looking for a playable prototype are you um like what steps and questions are you asking early on to a publisher walk us through that okay it's a little different for everyone because every publisher has kind of a different approach and different number of people they've worked with you know a lot of kickstarter creators at least years back when i started almost everybody was a new Kickstarter creator, right? Um, now, of course, it's pretty widespread, but um, a lot of times I do uh, try and get a prototype or play a game at a convention, for instance, at least once to get a, a feel for it. Um, I really like to start off kind of communication, heavy set expectations, um, talk about the scope of the project, um, how much time they're you know looking looking for the job to be completed in when when they're trying to go to press, and 
you know, things almost always take twice as much time as you, you expect them to, um, just with, there's so many things that can pop up along the way. The creative process is like beautiful and messy and uh, a lot of work, but we always, I always try and start off with expectations, make sure that um, we're on the same page. We work through pricing and kind of all, all the obvious paperwork sort of stuff. But um, yeah, usually try and jump right in with with playing the game and experiencing it, getting to know the publisher a little bit, and then trying to figure out what sort of vibe and atmosphere they want for the game. Try and um, connect on that vision. Very cool. Well, I, I'm going to kind of uh, repeat the question a little bit for Josh and, and say specifically, is there anything sure. different or, or question or even some of the questions, examples of questions that you would ask a publisher or designer early in the process? That I would ask a, that I would ask a publisher when we're initiating a project? Yeah. yeah. What are some questions that, that maybe artists should be asking so that you know the project will start on the right foot? Right. Well, I think uh, with artists, you sometimes get a divide between graphic designers and illustrators, and then you have uh, people that do both. Uh, I'm, one of, I'm one of them that, that does both, so I need to think of it from both of, both of those angles. Um, for me, and from, uh, I think most graphic designers should be the same way, all of them who are making games should be the same way. The, the function of the game trumps everything. You, you, your art needs to make the game work better. It needs to be beautiful, but if it's beautiful at the expense of the gameplay, then you're, you're making a mistake. You're a detraction in the game instead of a, instead of a benefit. So um, for me, my, my initial questions to a publisher or to a designer, because I like to include the game designer in the conversation early on, is more about the gameplay than about what they want the game to look like. We can figure out what the game is going to look like once I understand what the game is supposed to be doing for the players. So uh, how is the game supposed to work? And what kind of experience does the designer and the publisher want the player to have? And how can we make the components have that happen more reliably for the player? So early questions are all about gameplay. And then we'll move into artistic questions after that. Very cool. Very cool. And I noticed we have... Tiffany back? Oh, hi. Oh, just... Oh, visuals just, and no audio now. Just your beautiful visuals, but not <laughs> not the necessary other oratory components. <laughs> We've seen uh, every iteration of problems. So, so we'll continue to show off uh, the different sides to an interview gone wrong. But uh, I'll continue. So <laughs> You can sharpie out your questions on a piece of paper. Hey, there you go. There you go. Um, meanwhile, while that's happening, I'm going to bounce back to Jason. Uh, talking about the divide between graphic illustration and art, mm -hmm. uh, could, you, could you give uh, some example of, of why and how that's different? Because some people might not even understand the differences there and, wh and what that all entails. You know, what, what elements of a board game are being done from the graphic design part and then what parts are being done by, you know, um yeah go there definitely there there can be a little overlap um like josh yeah. said there are some people who do both um and that can be sort of confusing to uh first time creators especially but yeah sure. personally i i tend to do uh, to do more graphic design these days than illustration um i i feel like it's um really really needed in the board game community right now there's so many people 
that are looking for for good solid graphic designers so if you are one um you know get in touch with me or josh and i'm sure we we have people we can push you to um but graphic design is is kind of the main extension of that functionality that josh mentioned and it is the most important part of the game i think because really that's that's what the the players are interacting with and the art um as far as the illustration um that is more of i mean graphic design can can definitely play into the aesthetics but the illustration is is more um kind of a an atmosphere um an aesthetic and yep. it, it blurs it, um it's usually the first thing that people notice the illustrations uh graphic design if it's done really well sort of blends into the background and you don't really notice it a lot if it if it's if you've done a good job but the illustration kind of captures people's attention you know it's like the book cover that you see when you first uh when you first look at a game and for that reason i think a lot of publishers especially new creators can kind of focus on that and not focus on the graphic design or the functionality of the game quite enough and so uh for me i i really like to push graphic design finding a good solid graphic designer because really that that gameplay that experience that people are going to have and how easy it is for players to engage with the content that's going to be what is going to sustain people over 10 20 plays you know uh, over over time, you really want people to be able to re do repeat plays without having any trouble at all. And the artwork is important, the illustration, but um, it, it, it's kind of a, a secondary factor in my mind. Absolutely. Well, um, Tiffany's loading questions up for me because she can't talk, but she can type. So if you're in the YouTube, talk to Tiffany and uh, we will try to uh, include your questions in the episode. I have a question from Not A Computer, uh, and this one's for Josh. Um, can you talk about, have you ever had a fight or a disagreement uh, with a publisher or a designer on layout presentation of a game? And, you know, how do you, how do you get through a difference of opinion on something like that? Um, I've never had a fight with a publisher about anything. Um, I've had some disagreements for sure, and in every, every case, we work it out one way or the other. The publisher has final veto power; it's their their project. They're putting it together, but mm -hmm. I think that I've put together enough of credibility in the industry that they're going to take my opinion and and appreciate it when I when I give it back to them. So I'm not sure. always automatically going to do what a publisher wants done. I'm going to show them, hey, this is going to be better, and trust me. And sometimes they trust me, and sometimes they choose not to. So when they choose not to, I have to do it the way that they want it. They're the one paying the bill, so that's the way they get it. But right. most of the time, we can talk it out and, and make it so that uh, it's the way that's going to be better for the game. We both want this, the game to be better. So if we can talk to each other and work out which way is going to be better, then that we, we come to that solution almost always. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great example too. Like, to work on something and show what you're trying to communicate, and like another option, so that at least then, you know, it's not just like a publisher has this idea in their head, but then if you can show them an, an alternative, then uh, then maybe they'll, yeah. they'll they'll buy in. So, publishers are smart 
people. They're they're gamers. They understand what they like about games and how games work. And they're in this business because they like games and they want to make games. So they can they can be spoken to and reasoned with. And they're not just uh, somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. They they know what they want and they understand what a game requires. So uh, it's not like just talking to a brick wall. These people right. usually are uh, versed in what's going to be work what's going to work and what's not going to work absolutely uh jumping back jumping back to jason and talking through you know you you mentioned you know it always seems like it takes double the time although you know as people are working on timelines and trying to figure everything out how do you how do you figure out your timeline i mean i feel like how do you put a timeline on creative i i can't fathom a timeline on design and yet you're being forced to give timelines all the time. So how do you do that? How do you estimate that? Give some tips for people that maybe are going to be joining our industry. Um, how do you figure it out? And Or are there any people that kind of gave you some tips along the way? Yeah, it's, it's tough because, um, I mean, the timeline is part of the expectations, right? And you want to... Uh, communicate as accurately as possible, kind of project how long something's going to take. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors, how busy the publisher is and how much, how much input and involvement they're giving uh, the designers, if they're involved, how much input um, and time they're giving. Um, there, there's copy editing along the way. Uh, just so much stuff. And I think kind of the general general rule for freelancers in general that I've heard before is kind of make an estimate and then, and then double it. And that's usually what's, what, what's going to be accurate. And, uh, that can be, I mean, as you become more experienced, you get a better bead for what a project is going to take, but there can always be surprises along the way. And, um, as far as myself and maybe other, other freelancers in the industry. Um, I just try not to take on too much work. It's hard to say no, um, but if jobs go over and then you're starting new ones and you have too much overlap and it can be really tricky to, to balance all that, but it's uh, just just a learning process. Josh, did you want to jump in there? I, I saw physical reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew this was coming to me. I, that's the thing that I'm the most terrible at. I'm, I'm a horrible uh, time manager, and I'm always, uh, I always fail when I'm judging the number of hours that's going to take me to do something. And also, like you said, uh, you don't want to ever say no to a job, right? Sorry. Like, in a freelancing business, you're not positive that there's going to be work coming down the pipe. So you're not sure if like, you don't want to turn down a job because maybe there's not going to be one next month. So uh, I, I find sometimes I'm taking, taking on more jobs at once than is really recommendable. And then I end up delivering only a tiny little bit to everybody and everybody's unhappy instead of being able to deliver uh, big chunks of work to, to publish at a time. So for me, time management is the biggest problem. And that's something that I need to work on. So I don't have any tips for anybody. I need to. <laughs> uh, we wanted to see if Tiffany could have audios, but unfortunately she still hasn't got that, but I'm going to ask her a question for her. I'm not going to attempt doing a Tiffany voice. I'm just going to, she's, she wrote a question. And so I'm going to, I'm going to bounce this question 
Uh, Google is saying he can hear me. Well, weird. Okay. Well, Google lies. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Tiffany's question to Josh, and uh, the question is: How typical is it for a publisher or, or a designer to have a very specific direction they want you to take? So, do you find you know? I'm sorry, you broke you broke you broke up on me. I didn't hear the, the middle of the question. So, how typical is it for a publisher or a designer to have an art direction, like a very specific direction for the project? What what percentage or what what's that like? It, it's not very typical, I find. I've developed a signature style, so a lot of publishers know kind of what my stuff is going to look like when they bring it to me. I have two main styles. There's sort of my heavy outline cartoonish sort of style, and then I have like maps on a table kind of style, which is those, those are the two directions that a publisher might expect me to go in when they hire me. Right. Uh, oftentimes, they don't have a particular look in mind. Some publishers will deliver a style package, which is nice, where they'll, they'll show um, box covers that they like or uh, just images that they've taken that they say, hey, how about this sort of look? How about that sort of look? Or they'll point me in the direction of games that they think are the, are the right kind. And I appreciate that. I love it. Uh, more information is better hmm. instead of always starting with a blank slate. But at the same time, sometimes a blank slate is good because then you're you're not being overly influenced by uh, an outside opinion. You sort of come up with a look of something yourself based on what the game is kind of demanding from it from its mechanisms. Uh, different sense. designers and different publishers have different uh, a different level of completeness for their uh, prototypes, and a lot of the time, the prototype that I receive is going to shape uh how i think about approaching the game just based on how it looks you know you can't get away from that you see the graphic design that they've used to create their prototype and from there that's going to kind of shape that has to shape how how i see the game going forward so um like i said before gameplay is one of the first things i look at the first thing i look at and um I try to get as complete a prototype and a rule set from them as possible. I construct a physical prototype and I solo through the game a few times, get a feel for what it needs, and then that determines what the what the look of the game is going to be. So a lot of the time, what that initial prototype looks like, designed by the designer or the publisher, whoever put it together, that the publisher communicates their uh, intention for the look of the game rather than actually having a discussion about it. Interesting. We're going to try it one more time. Tiffany? Hear me now. Hey. Hey. I just had to like leave and come back in. <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Sorry about that. Do you want to? Anyway, do you want to ask uh, Jason Beth Beth Sobel's question? Yeah, Beth had a great question. Um. So and then I completely lost it because there's just a slew of questions now. Um. So Jason, Beth wants to know, and I think this is a great one to both of you, honestly. Yeah. Um. But starting with Jason, what is the project you are most proud of? Most proud of. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Um, I don't know if I can just pick one. I think. Um, pick your favorite child. Come on. Let's see. I think I'll. I guess I'll go with maybe a pivotal one. I think working on Dead Men Tell No Tales with Minion Games was a super great opportunity. I got to work with. Um, Kane Klenko on that and he's a great designer and he actually um, helped art direct that one and has moved into art direction for I think Renegade Games doing doing stuff like Lotus and stuff 
So he just has a great vision for stuff. And um, getting to work on that was a really big push for me to move into uh, more games after that. I, I hand-lettered the logo for that box cover. Um, the art was done by Kristoff. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name because it's Polish, um, but it's amazing. Uh, and so the cover was just really beautiful and the artwork was really evocative and it was like a pretty complicated punch board and uh, there was just there's just a lot of lot of learning curve on that one and a lot of time and energy and uh, it just really came out really nice I didn't work on the rule book on that one but I did touch everything else um, so that was just a big good learning experience, I guess. Um, and I guess I would also say I'm super proud of the World's Fair 1893 rulebook. Adam McIver did the, a lot of the rest of their graphic design on that, but one of the things that we did on that one that, I, that was really special to me was Randy had me create a map of the Chicago World's Fair uh, to put on the back of the rulebook. Um, I wish I had it next to me so I could show you, but it was like totally extra, you know, it doesn't add anything to the rules, um, but it just helped give me personally like a scope of what the fair actually looked like. And Beth Sobel's artwork is just like awesome and the game just drips theme. And mm -hmm. just those extra touches um, on games with uh, publishers who really care about the final product, that, that, that was really special. Um, as well. That's super, yeah. I World's Fair is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it drips in, you're absolutely correct. Um, Josh, same question. Yeah. What is the most, Think or you already knew it, so go ahead. Right. Um, <laughs> I have two or three answers for that. Uh, the game where I'm most proud of the illustration, I've said it in a dozen interviews is Pirates vs. Dinosaurs. This is a game that uh, didn't do so great, so not a lot of people have actually seen it or played it, but uh, I got to do... I'm looking it up right now. Oh, yeah? I got to do like, 120 different pieces of illustration for it. it I'm, it's probably my best illustration overall in, in board games. It was a ton of fun. The theme is ridiculous. The cover's awesome. The cover is awesome. I got to. I, I proposed a cover that didn't have a title on it. It just uh, a picture of a pirate and a versus symbol and a dinosaur on the other side. And I was really thrilled when the when the publisher said, "Sure, let's do that." So it was it was a titleless cover and it was pretty pretty strong. And there's lots of great illustration on the cards and on the board and everything in the game. And I just love it. I had so much fun with it, and I'm very proud of it. And I wish that uh, that it had seen more success, but it hadn't. Um, another game that I'm very, very proud of is Belfort. It's a game for uh, Sen Fung Lim and Jay Cormier. And they, we did that for Tasty Minstrel Games. I love playing that game, and I'm really, really happy with how uh, all the elements of it turned out. It has a very strong rule book. We get very few questions on it, even though it's like uh, 16 pages or something. And it also, uh, the game board, this is a game where I really went overboard in hiding tons of little details and Easter eggs in the artwork. It was a really crazy illustration challenge trying to figure out how to draw, I think it's like 
12 different structures rotated at 72 degree angles because you see the same building in all five segments of the board. And that was kind of fun. And it was just all sorts of little details and stuff for Easter eggs for people to find hidden in that tiny, tiny little uh, citizens of the, of the town of Belfort. So that was a huge amount of fun. And it took me way too long. And one of my earliest indications that I'm a horrible, horrible scumbag at trying to uh, figure out how to spend my time when I'm playing a game. Love it. it went very, Love very it. overscheduled, but it was worth it. Absolutely. Again, um, both. Yeah. Oh, you got more. Go for it. I was going to say, uh, rule book wise, uh, there was a game called 1960, The Making of the President that I did uh, for Z-Man ages ago. It was a 24 page rule book, very detailed, very heavy game. And I think it's probably the best rule book I've ever put together. We've we had maybe in its history three or four rules questions. Yeah, and it's a heavy it's a game. Complex game. Yeah, it's a heavy two-player game. So that's that's impressive. It's, it's a heavy game, and I don't know. It was it was really well put together, and I've heard of people using it as like examples and how to put together a good rule book. So I'm, yeah, I'm, that, that's one. Awesome. Yeah, it's a it, and a, a great game. So people, you should look it up. 1960 yeah. making of a president i i break that out yeah it's it's a goodie i really enjoy that one so uh and the others that you mentioned uh personally endeavor you didn't give a shout out for endeavor i love i love that map um endeavor so. i love endeavor is like an everything game for my game group it stays on the table comes out constantly yeah uh, we love it i know that it's the game that got tiffany into gaming and uh, it's all because of my graphic <laughs> design so i'm very proud of that um somebody else actually brought it up last night uh my wife helena was doing an interview for cbc about about games and this guy brought up endeavor as one of the games that his his group plays a lot and he didn't know that i had done the art for it so it was funny. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome that did it yeah check uh, Endeavor's really great but there was one guy on bgg who complained once about how like there was a thread that was started about how the graphic designer for endeavor should be fired and oh blew me away I, I couldn't believe it so i wrote a whole thing uh explaining to him why i shouldn't be fired and how, <laughs> and how I, I i needed his boss's phone number so i could write to his boss and, and ask for his for him to be fired in public <laughs> which, uh, which I call somebody nice. out on a public forum fire this guy for doing a terrible terrible job right but, uh Whew. I don't know. I think I was able to explain it to him in a way where he realized that I hadn't done such a terrible job like he thought. Wow. I think it was a, a very well. Uh, <laughs> that's Tastes hilarious. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Taste. That's a tough one to manage. So uh, I'm going to actually talking about taste. I'm going to uh, push this question to Jason. I'm, I'm actually reworking a question that uh, is in the chat that was said in a humorous way by uh, Andrew Enriquez, but uh uh, Ace, also known <laughs> as of uh, the Nerd Nighters, uh, but I'm not going to ask it exactly how he asked. Instead, you need to go to YouTube and enjoy the conversation going on there if you want to see how he said it. But I'm going to ask it this way: I'm going to say, which publishers would you wish to work with in the future? Are there any any publishers that you would love an opportunity to work with? Start with Jason. Um, any any on the wish list? Mm. You know, there. I think that uh, I've I've really loved seeing what Z-Man has done. I think they put out great products, and Stronghold I think has had super strong showing uh, with with their games. Um, I think they're a great publisher. Uh, Renegade Games also big up and comer. I think great great games. Um, 
man, there's there's a huge list. I, I recently started working with Pandasaurus. I've been talking with IDW. Um, there's just there's just too many that I <laughs> I don't even have enough time in, in a year to fit in all the ones that I would want to. But uh, I think it's just there's there's so many fantastic opportunities when you go to conventions, um, yeah. get, get to know uh, people behind these games instead of just a logo. And yep. it's it's just fantastic. There's there's so many great people in the industry. It's too many to name. How about you, Josh? Any on the wish list? I have publishers that I've always dreamed of working for just to get my my name on their game box. I think in a lot of those cases, it's going to have to be through like the designing a game uh, angle instead of doing the art because a lot of the bigger ones have in-house graphic design teams and illustrators that they kind of have on tap that they go to. Yeah. Like I would yeah. love to do on something for Asmodee or Days of Wonder or Hansen Gluck. Any of the any of the big German ones would be amazing. But those they they have pretty well established teams over there that are hard to crack into. So I don't know. I'm happy always to um, receive requests for, for uh, considering game design from any publisher, really. And just if I can see that they that they care about the game and they're putting together a good product and that the game is going to be good, then yeah, I'll definitely put a quote together. Awesome. Um, so we have another question. There's just so many good questions in the chat, and I don't think we're going to be able to get to all of them. But um, this one's from Mad Bona One. Uh, so. Sorry, I just still can't get over her username. Um, so, Josh. Yeah, that's great. How did you get started in the industry? Did you approach a publisher uh, slash designer, or were you approached? Was that to me? I didn't hear it. Yeah, to you, Josh. Mm -hmm. How did I get started in the industry as an artist? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I began deliberately, like I wanted to be a, a game artist and, and a game graphic designer for games. And I began by hanging out on a forum online called the Board Game Designers Forum, bgdf.com. It's still up and running, but I haven't been there in a while. Um, on that forum, I just got to know other game designers and we established uh, conversations and relationships about designing games and helping each other to, to fix our games and pitch them to publishers. And it was very uh, low level. Many people on the on that forum had contacts or relationships with publishers, but what I would do whenever anybody would uh, report to the group that they had um, made a contact or that a publisher was interested in their game, I would look up the game that they had uh, that they had submitted, learn what it was about, quickly whip up some samples for them, and say, "Hey, if you want to send these to the publisher and say, maybe you could hire this guy to do the art for the game." So I did that like a dozen times, and then finally, uh, Renee Wearsma. A uh, Dutch designer uh, had designed a game named Geos, and uh, it was signed by Z-Man Games. He and so I made some tiles, samples of tiles for his game, and he sent them to Z-Man. And Zev, being Zev, was like, "Sure, no problem." So he hired me to do uh, Geos. I did the game, and from there, uh, he hired me again and again and again, and I ended up doing probably uh, a dozen games for Z-Man. And from there, people got to know me, and I was able to establish relationships with other publishers as well. So it. Really, for me, it just took the one foot in the door with an established publisher. I was able to deliver a good product for him where he was going to hire me again. And then jobs kind of approached me from that point. So I don't really petition for jobs anymore. They uh, often come to me from publishers who want to see my art on a game. Which is, which is awesome. No. It's great that, well, I mean, it's very well deserved that you're at that stage in your career. Um, Thank you. <laughs> just like looking at the massive shelf behind you of titles you've worked on um so jason this is another question from the chat this is from not a computer 
what tool or Perfect. Uh, what tool or tools are the most valuable to you, digital and analog, uh, or like, yeah, what do you use? Okay, yeah, that's that's an easy one. Um, first, I want to say real quick that the first Tequila. meatball syrup episode that I ever watched had Josh Capel and Stephen Sauer on it, and oh, yeah? that was back on episode six. And Whoa. going back in the archives. Yeah. And that one was really fun. So if you guys are liking the discussion on artwork, um, you should definitely go back and check that one out because it was really, really good. And I still remember it. If, if you want to hear Josh give many of the same answers to some <laughs> that's your jam right there. That's it. So tools. Yeah, I use, um, I use a Wacom tablet a lot. I have maybe like a medium. What? Twins, buddy. Medium-sized. Wacom tablet. I use it for everything. It's getting kind of old. <gasps> Wacom hug. Yeah. Um, I I use that for pretty much everything on the computer. Um, graphic graphic design and illustration. I got I got it probably because I was interested in digital painting, but I kind of phased out of that and um, went more graphic design. I, I like doing graphic design more for board games and do illustration maybe more for personal projects because it just it's very taxing for me personally, creatively. Um, so I, I still use it for, for everything. I mean, it's, it's wonderful for Photoshop. I, I typically use the Adobe Suite, um, Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, although there are plenty of other, other options. Um, and InDesign? I'm sorry? You're capable in InDesign? Yes, InDesign. Yeah. I use a lot. I use almost yeah. InDesign and Photoshop pretty exclusively these days. A little bit of Illustrator, but ever since Photoshop introduced uh, vector shapes and objects, stuff that wouldn't pixelate, um, when, you, when you resize it, uh, you can do a lot in yeah. Photoshop now. Um, and I, I find myself in Illustrator less. But those are kind of my digital tools. Uh, but for, for game design, I use I use uh, pencil, crayons, and uh, note cards a lot. I'd like to just be able to tear stuff up and to get things on paper as quickly as possible and to not have a barrier between myself and the computer because for my day job, I'm on the computer a lot, and I can really overextend what the uh, what what a prototype really needs. So I, I try not to mess with the computer as far as prototyping uh, until yeah. I absolutely have to. Uh, so I kind of try and separate those worlds for myself. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Wow. Mute Steve yourself. Has, Steve has messages for me, apparently. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I, don't want about, I don't want to know about that. All right, so Josh, uh, yeah. I, I, I have a question. Uh, you, you do freelance. I'm curious. You were talking before about like scooping up the jobs when they come in, uh, and then yeah. there's lulls. But uh, can you tell us a little bit why you choose the life of freelance because I'm sure you've had offers to do more consistent stuff and all that kind of thing. What are some of the pros uh, and cons? A couple of, of offers to do more consistent stuff. Um, yeah. So what's what what's the what's the reason or pros and cons to the freelance lifestyle? 
a couple reasons. First of all, I'm a freelancer beca partly because I want to remain a freelancer. I want to be able to work for a lot of different publishers, a lot of different companies, and just be sort of spread out like that instead of focusing on one company. Um, being a game designer also, I don't want to have any limitations on who I pitch my own designs to. I don't always want to do the art for my own games. I've discovered this recently. I don't, I don't always want to do the art for my own games, and I, I do want to be able to pitch my own designs elsewhere. And a lot of publishers, when they've approached me for having a, a position with them, have said that they, wouldn't, they would want um, me to pitch designs solely to them and not give designs to other companies. So that, that's something that was a limiter to me. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes publishers who want you on their staff, they want you to move to where they are. And I'm happy in the town where I'm at. And my kids are happy where they are. And my wife is happy where she is. So I'd, I wouldn't want to move away. And then thirdly, and probably one of the factors that is the most uh, heavily weighed in that is that a lot of publishers aren't going to offer the kind of money it's going to take to get me to stop being a, a freelancer. Um, being a freelancer isn't making me millions of dollars or anything, but uh, so far I have not had a publisher offer me a salary that would make up for the, the freelance salary that I earn right now. So those are my three reasons. Awesome. Uh, actually, and I'm going to kind of echo the question to uh, Jason as well. I mean, you have a day job and you're doing this additionally. You know, why, why do you choose that? And what are kind of the pros and cons to that? choice because if if it's an overwhelming amount of people demanding uh, your time <laughs> uh is is there any chance that you could make the shift to 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 board game art only or something like that um it's something that i've thought a lot about this last year um i've had a few companies ask me for exclusivity um i've even put in an application, a place or two, just to see where things go. But a lot of my thoughts kind of echo Josh's. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, board games are very relational and getting to work with a lot of companies and getting to know more people um, is just a really special part of it. So uh, to go exclusive, to work with one company, to work in-house somewhere, to maybe move my family somewhere, you know, those are, those are big decisions and not maybe something that I would do lightly. Uh, I, I think that I would also be worried about it eating into um, my family time because I work from home. I have a lot of flexibility with when I spend time with my family and, and uh, what hours I work, but you know, that, that could be compensated for probably in a full-time position, but also free time to work on game design. Cause if I'm doing, something nine to five. Uh, it's a lot harder to maybe convince myself that my time in my evening should go to game design instead of spending time with my family or other things that are important in my life. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of factors to consider. I didn't want to be a freelancer when I started, but now I super appreciate the freedom and the flexibility years in uh, now that I have consistent work. Okay. Um, so I want to, Josh, you, or sorry, Jason, you mentioned earlier, really, uh, I think, great part about how you like to just do pencil and crown and stuff for prototyping. So I'm going to kind of mm -hmm. spin that to Josh. When you're doing prototyping stuff, do you have any art tips on things that you found work best for you in the prototype when you're prototyping or anything like that? 
Yes, don't have any art when you're making a prototype. That's my that's my art tip. Um, when you're when you're making a prototype, is there shouldn't be a picture on it until you've stabilized what the components do. Um, your your starting prototypes have got to be paper and cards with words written on them. That, that, that's about it for me. Unless the the image is is critical to the to the gameplay, skip images at first and just make the game work with uh, with words and and bits of paper. Um, I don't move to art on a prototype until I'm sure that the, that it's not going to change because time is valuable and I don't want to spend it uh, doing art for something that's going to have to be changed eventually. I'm positive that a component is not likely to change very much. That, that's when I start to do pictures. And then even then, my prototypes have pretty rudimentary art on them. I, I like to make art clear and crisp and blocky and functional for prototypes, even when I'm pitching them to, to publishers. They don't need to look like something that I would personally uh, make for manufacturing purposes. It just needs to work as best as possible. So that's what art needs to do in a prototype, in, in my opinion. I think I think a lot of people share that opinion uh, also, yeah. <laughs> especially when you have to remake a prototype or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Zena is crying. Um, Jason, so um, you've already kind of touched on your prototype stuff, so I'm going to twist it again and ask if you have any tips for new designers and or graphic artists. Tips for... Um, like somebody starting out or maybe they're mm -hmm. trying to get into the industry or something like that. Um, on the graphic design side, I would say, um, you know, if you love board games, you should, you should attend a board game convention. That's really the world that opened up for me. Um, those relationships, getting to meet people, getting to uh, go to a, a con and like I said, see the people behind the logos. Um, if you're interested, you know, just reach out and and uh, put put your stuff up on BoardGameGeek, um, post on Twitter, whatever. Ask ask around. There's a lot lot of work that you can you can find, and there's there's always places to start. Um, for for game design, I would say, uh, yeah, my number one tip again would be relationships. Get to know people. Um, spend time playing other people's prototypes. Uh, it's really easy to think if you play a lot of games that it wouldn't be hard to make a game, but it, it'd be kind of like me saying, well, I know how to drive my van, so if I took it apart, I'd know how to put it back together, and I'm, I'm no mechanic. That would be impossible. Uh, my car would be sitting in my driveway dead for the next 10 years. Um, uh, so on that note, I would say make as many games as possible as quickly as possible. Uh, I think one of the things I did early on was focus a lot of time on one game in particular. And I had a lot of ideas for other things, but um, I think the best way to grow as a, as a designer is to try and bring as many games to completion as quickly as possible, and then to spend time maybe analyzing those and putting them in front of people and getting reactions. And don't, you know, don't put any pressure on yourself to create anything great or spectacular. You just need to to kind of feel out. There's so many different types of games and so many different mechanisms, and um, each one is going to be a completely new learning process. And so, to get as many games that you can just play, you know, it doesn't even have to be done. Just that you can you can have a start and you can have a finish, and you can have an experience with something. Um, 
I think that and getting to know people, playing their stuff, um, just getting to be a part of, of things is really important. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Really great advice there. Thank you it's both. So the, the time flew by. Um, we're, uh, we're already past time, but we started a little late. So, uh, yeah. thanks everyone for, uh, watching and providing great questions. I want to give a, a special thanks to both Jason and Josh for hanging out with us and chatting with us, uh, Thank sharing you. some of your life experience and wisdom. Uh, you can find them uh, so on Twitter <laughs> and I'm sure they would happily chat with you. Uh, if you have, if you have more questions and want to pick their brain or, uh, uh, be pointing, you know, direction, you know, they mentioned there's a lot of good publishers out there looking for, uh, quality, uh, illustrators and artists. So, uh, don't be shy about that. We love, uh, encouraging others to, to connect and network. Uh, if you're at a show, you know, look these guys up too. Uh, and and not only their art, but their games, because they're both designers as well, so you can play their games and, and uh, pick their brain about design as well. We focus this show on the visuals, but um, but they are also both great designers. Um, I want to give a shout-out for next week's episode, where Sen will be back and solving all our technical problems, because Sen never, <laughs> Sen never makes technical mistakes. Um, and uh, we have, on the episode, we have Joey Vigor, and we have Adam Wise. Um, so I'm really excited about chatting with them. Uh, they're two fantastic designers and I think we're talking about, um, designing for commerce versus creating for fun. And so that whole divide and that of, uh, money making versus, uh, the art of design. So uh, if you have questions along that, that discussion line, uh, that, uh, that should be a great episode as well. Uh, Tiffany and I are going to shoot or try to shoot a quick after show. Uh, so uh, feel free to tune in there. And if you have a few additional questions that you would like to hear us share our opinions on, that's kind of our idea with the after show is the hosts share a little bit of what they heard and what they learned and what they think. So tune into that until next week, keep making great games and we yeah. look forward to playing your game soon. Cool. Thank you so much. Hey. Thanks again, guys. Thank Imagine there's music right now. At some point, Tiffany's going to hit that. <laughs>